Welcome to the Turning Point Church Podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. Grab your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 14. And as is our custom, we're going to we're going to stand for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start there. We're going to read together. I'm reading from the New American Standard, so if you're using a device and you want to follow along word for word, you can search it that way. Exodus 14. Did everybody make it there safely? Good. We're going to start with verse 10. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said, Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word brings transformation, revelation. It brings reformation. Lord, it's your word that heals and delivers, and it's your truth that sets us free from deception. Lord, we need your truth this morning. Lord, let us not be deceived about ourselves, but Father, let us be open. Lord, help us to extract every ounce of life and joy and faith and revelation from this word today. Lord, let us be able to say that when we leave this place, we will never be the same. We will never be the same. Can we say it together? We will never be the same. Glory to God. And all the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Grab a seat. It's a thrill to minister this this word today. We've um, for the for the past uh, few weeks we've been privileged to what I believe we have seen is is a breakthrough and the stepping into a new normal for this church. The people connected here, a new normal uh, for for us in our experience and in our walk with Jesus Christ. And there have been wondrous things that have been happening, gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been operating, been moving. We've been seeing words of wisdom and knowledge. And last week was another powerful week. 
God is just continuing to amaze us. How many of you have, been, have, have come into a new place of awe and wonder of what God can do? It's been absolutely incredible. And I want to bring everyone onto the same page this morning so that we can continue to move forward in the things that God has for us. He wants us to go forward. What we didn't get into, if you read on later in this passage, Moses takes that word and he goes and he asks God, what am I supposed to do? Moses tells everybody, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he goes and he says, God, what am I supposed to do? He said, why are you asking? Go forward. Go forward. God, I don't see a way forward. He said, go forward. Take a step. God wants us moving forward in this life. He doesn't want us held and caught in the same old, same old. We're saying no to religion, and we're saying yes to relationship like never before. That's one of the things that is happening, saying no to religion. Religion says you show you things that you can't even begin to imagine. You know what I found out in college? I went to Bible college to become a pastor, youth pastor. And here's what I found out real fast is that everybody is so quick to tell you what you can't do. To tell you what you can't do, tell you what you well that well that doesn't that doesn't still happen today. Can't do this. Can't see healings, can't see people raised from the dead, can't can't see deaf ears open. Those are good stories for us to refer to. Man. It's more than stories that we can refer to so that we'll have good messages and good songs to sing. They are for life. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When we come into a new normal, God has, has described it as this, that, that, we would, that we would transition, that we would move from glory to glory. From glory to glory. I'm thankful that the life in Jesus Christ is more than just a meet and greet experience. Salvation, the meet and greet experience, it's more than that. It's much more than that. I'm glad that it's so much more than that. That it's from glory to glory we're being changed. From glory to glory. And so when we, we begin, really what the new normal is, it's a new normal of thinking. It's a new normal of thinking and believing and acting. And as we continue in the new normal, we must fight the temptation to return to Egypt. We must fight the temptation to return to Egypt. As Paul said it, put on the new man. Take off the old man. Walk in newness of life. Keep with the fruits of repentance. Keep moving forward. We must fight the temptation to return to Egypt. There are new adventures, yes. But there are new challenges as well in the new environment. The new thinking, the new way of life. Huh? But we must fight the temptation to return to slavery. And here's what we found out. The new normal can feel like a wilderness. 
A new normal can feel like you're dying. That's what was happening with the people of Israel. This wilderness thing, here we are. Moses, you said everything was going to be good. You're, t- you're, you're taking us to the promise. And we find ourselves in a wilderness. And when, there, when it's new and there's new challenges and new adventures, you can be tempted to think, if I'll just go back to the old way, it'll be better if I stay in the old way. It'll be better if I stay in the old thing. It'll be, it'd be better, actually, if I had not stepped into this new thing at all. And that's a deception we have to be careful of. The new normal may feel like you're dying, and that's because you are. You're dying to the old man and the old way of life. You know what I love about a new normal? The reason why that happens is because you've made a decision. And a decision, a true decision, is not just something that is thought about. A true decision is something that is acted upon. A real decision, the fruit of a decision made, is the action accompanying it. And so the proof that we've made that decision and that we've entered into a new normal is because we have decided this no longer works for me. The reason why I reach for Jesus in a setting, in a service like this, is because Jesus can only provide what religion can't. Religion can't provide peace. I need more than just a good gathering. I need life himself. And I won't be satisfied with anything else than having him and having him fully. He is the way the truth, the life. He's not an option. He's the one. It's following him. <laughs> the new normal may feel like you're dying. That's because you are. The old is passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Look at what they said in verse 11. If you, if you, if you jump back there, put your eyes on it real fast. <laughs> Why have you dealt with us in this way? In other words... When they found themselves in a wilderness and they found, they looked and they saw the enemy behind them, marching after them. This is their question. Why have you done this to us? Why did you mess with what we had? Because now being out here in this wilderness thing, it actually looks better back where we came from. This is what we told you, verse 12. Isn't this what we told you? This is what we told you in Egypt. We said, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And what's sad is that we've become so accustomed to chains and so familiar with bondage that we would prefer the comfort of a cage rather than the faith for freedom. If you've, ever, if you've ever known anything about the prison system, if you've ever been familiar with prison to explore the life of an inmate, um, there is a temptation to accept that life, that that is the normal. 
So what ends up happening is that when, when men and women find themselves in situations and for whatever reason, uh, for whatever laws were broken, has placed them in a situation where they have to be in prison, there is a community and a family and a lifestyle that is prison. It becomes a normal. And the temptation is that unless they're serving a life sentence at some point, once they've served their time, there's going to be a freedom. There's going to be a freedom. And what ends up happening so many times is when that freedom is finally granted back, they've become so used to the system. And being in that condition and being in that environment, it's actually hard to live in freedom. It's hard. And you will find that they will, that, that many, they'll fall into that pattern. They'll actually prefer to get caught and be put back in a system that they're comfortable with rather than figuring out how to live in freedom. Because it's easier. It's easier when I don't have to think about where my next meal is coming from. It's going to show up on the dot. Even if it's not the thing that I want the most, I can count on it. Better we go back to Egypt. Better we go back. It would be better to be enslaved. Listen to the insanity of that. Here we are, we've been granted our freedom. God has taken us out of Egypt with all the pomp and circumstance. They are wealthy. They took all the wealth of Egypt with them. Did you know that? Do you remember that about the story? They plundered the Egyptians on the way out. So much gold and silver to carry. Everybody's carrying stuff. And yet something tells them when they're challenged we told you, you shouldn't have brought us out into this. You shouldn't have brought us out into this wilderness. That's why I like Moses' response and how he, how he responded. He said, he said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. He didn't bring you out for nothing. He didn't bring you out to stop here. He's going to prove it. Hmm. By the time an inmate can receive freedom, he discovers it's easier to be a slave to the system than to live in freedom. We can become so entangled with sin that we come to accept that that's just the way that it is. Egypt and bondage is representative of sin. It's representative of the old man, the old way of life that keeps pulling at us, tugging at us, tempting us, telling our thoughts. It, it really would be easier back there. We bought into a false thinking that it's easier to be a servant or a slave than it is to be a son. That's what the prodigal son had misinterpreted. He misinterpreted the love of the father. He said, if I go back, I'll go back as a servant. And the father said, no, 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 no. You're not coming back as a servant. You're not going to come back into this household as a servant. You're my son, and you will always be my son. And so start thinking like a son. I'm going to cook this beautiful dinner for you. I'm going I'm to cook the fatty calf. I'm going to invite all of your friends. Start thinking like a son and stop thinking like a slave. 
I've set you free. Mm. It's not biblical, but I like it anyway. Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. There's something that transitions in the heart of a believer that we are to move beyond longing for the old life and to keep returning to what satisfied and what we got our meals from and what we got our fulfillment from and turn, even if it looks like a wilderness for a little while, even though we don't understand the path, what we, do, what we miss out is that the wilderness is the passage to the promise. It is the way to the promise. It's a testing ground. It's a proving ground. Those testing grounds are somewhere the most wonderful miracles happen. Where a Red Sea opens up, my God. Walk across on dry land, my goodness. Verses 13 and 14. When Moses says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch and see what God will do. He's not done working on your behalf. And then he says something. Watch what the Lord will do while you keep silent. Now, keeping silent there doesn't mean being, being quiet in the sense that we just need, to, that we need to, to stand still, not say anything. That keep silent there was stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Stop complaining about what hasn't happened and see what has happened. And see, because of what you have seen that God has done, trust him that he will do that again and immeasurably above that. Unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. God can heal you more than once in your lifetime. But odds are he won't do it the same way twice. Because he don't have to. He can do it different every single time. He can tell you go, go dip in a river, or he can put mud on your eyes, or he can just speak the word from miles away. Why? Because faith is not a formula. He didn't want it to be a form- for- formulaic. A plus B doesn't always equal C. But faith in him always produces a result of impossibilities become impossible. Somebody say amen. All right, one more scripture we're going to visit. We're going to tie these together. Mark chapter 9. Lord, thank you for faith in this room. Thank you, Lord God. God's doing some freedom work in here today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 9, we're going to start with verse 14. And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, saw him, saw him, saw him, that's capital H there, just so you know, that means it's Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, O unbelieving generation, 
How long will I be with you and how long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit within him threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has, he, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them, most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. And he got up. There is an available reality to us. Do you hear that? There is an available reality to us that we have access to. The thing that Jesus addresses here is belief. It's what's surrounding this account. It is, it is belief. It was what the nation of Israel was struggling in that moment in Egypt with the, with the chariots behind them and the Red Sea before them. They're struggling with belief. Belief that God can do something about this. Belief that God will continue to bring them out. Struggling with believing. Huh. That's the, uh, the issue that he addresses is the believing. He says, oh, unbelieving gen generation. Verse 23 then proves that it's about Believing. Because <laughs> remember the man says, if you can do anything, take pity on us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible. To what? To him who? Believes. Then the man goes on to say, he cries out to Jesus, and he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And the truth of the matter is, is that we all have areas where belief comes harder. There's some things that, that belief in, in Jesus comes harder. And most of the time that's dictated by our life experiences because our life experiences and what we've seen say something different than the promises that we've been wanting to believe. And so when those things don't match up, that is the area where God is challenging us is believing for something impossible to become possible. If you didn't see it as impossible, what would you need believing for? If it was something that you could do and that you could fix, then what would you need God for? What would you need believing in him for? Those life experiences, they paint a different picture than what God promises often. The first step is believing. And this is how important this is, is because our behavior is shaped by what we believe. 
You hear it. Behavior shapes what we believe. We will remain in a belief system until that system fails to produce our desired result. We will stay stuck in a belief system. Remember we talked about those who get stuck in a prison system, in a prison mindset. It's easier to return to that mindset and to that way of life often than believing that life can be better, that life can be greater, that God can be greater. Then our behavior is shaped by that belief. Those actions will follow what we are believing. If we believe that a website and a screen will bring us the fulfillment and the pleasure that we need, our behavior will dictate that we return to it. That feeling. That's the struggle with one of the greatest struggles, and I'm not here to get into, into all of that this morning, but God's doing a work in the body of Christ of removing this filth and this stuff from our midst. I believe God is doing it. He's straightening us out. We have a generation being raised by machines. That's where relational ties are too. That's where emotional ties are too. And as long as we believe that that's where we're going to receive satisfaction, is this okay? Everybody good? As long as we keep believing that that's where we're going to find that, the behavior will lead us there. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And until that belief system fails to bring the desired result, we'll keep going back to that same system. Man, it's got quiet in here. It's all right. God moves in the shout. He moves in the whisper. He moves in the thunder and the lightning and in the wind. He uses it all. He said, if I can get you, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Let's get that in our spirit this morning. If you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible. If I can just get you to believe in what I say, if I can just get you to believe in the promise, then we can win this thing. If I can get you to believe in a promise and trust in a promise that you can't quite see with your eyes yet. Remember, Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He believed. If I can get you to trust a promise that maybe you can't quite see it yet, but trust me, I promise, I promise, I promise that if you will leave the old man behind, I promise that if you will leave Egypt and never return, I promise if you will leave it, I will be with you all the way and I will bring you to the promise. I will bring you to the promise. I will bring you to it. 
I can just get you to believe, the behavior will follow. If I can just get you to believe that freedom is possible, that healing is possible, that forgiveness is possible, that restoration is possible. (laughs) I heard a pastor say this. I want to share share this with you. People say, they say all the time, God can't use me because of my past. And yet the Lord decided to create you when your past was still his future. And he created you anyway. He created us anyway. Oh, that's good. That one phrase right there can set you free from moving forward. It can set you free from a place of inaction and indecisiveness. Because if God can move past all of that, we certainly can. (laughs) If God can forgive us and cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, and for our sakes remember it no more, we certainly should be able to take the next step forward. In confidence that God is with us. Oh, God, forgive me. I repent of it. Let's go. Hmm. Believing is accepting. Believing is an accepting. That this is truth I'm going to follow. And what you accept, it determines what you expect. If you've just accepted that this is, this is just how it's going to be, I just got to live with this pain, I just got to live with this resentment, I just got to live with this bitterness, I just got to live with all this. I just gotta, if you've accepted that, that's what you're going to expect. That's what you're going to expect, that's what you're going to look for. And we become so comfortable with that bondage that we have a hard time bringing ourselves to believing. Uh-huh. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, man, that felt like a preacher right there. I'm here to tell you, and I mean it with all of my heart, that freedom, listen, freedom is an available reality. Freedom is an available reality. I may have to say it a million times to finally get over the fact, you see, because because what is so driven by this and in this culture is fantasy. It's fantasy. And we've become so accustomed that this is just, this is how it is. This is how it is. This is how I operate. We've become so much where we accept that, that we no longer believe that freedom in Jesus Christ is a reality. We've forgotten Or maybe we've never known, never truly known or believed that the freedom that God provides us is a reality for every believer. It's a reality. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. He gave his life to set us free from the yoke of bondage of sin and death. It's a reality that he has made available. And for some reason, the enemy has worked a deception that even a holy life is a fantasy. 
It's just talk. It's just something that, that preachers like to say and they get excited about. They like to quote it. Be holy for I am holy. And what we miss out on is that God provided something. He never asked us to do something that we couldn't do. He never commanded or gave an instruction. He never said something to do that we weren't able to do. What did he say to the woman who was caught into adultery? Do you remember? Do you remember when that woman who was before an entire town, Pharisee, she was embarrassed. No mention of where the man was. It's the woman caught in adultery, but I'm pretty sure it takes, well, anyway, you get the idea. He begins to write in the sand. No one knows for sure what he was writing in the sand. doesn't really matter. All we know is that he said, he who is without sin, do what? Cast the first stone. And one by one, all of these people who have gathered around her, can you imagine how intimidating that was? More intimidating than sitting in the cockpit of a Corvette, I'll tell you that. She's been caught. There is a mob around her saying, kill her, kill her, kill her. They have stones in their hands. And Jesus says one phrase. One word from God changes everything. That is something that has been rolling in our spirits in this new normal. One word from God changes everything. Changes the entire trajectory of a life. One word. But you who is without sin, let him cast the first stone, and one by one, the word says that they all drop their stones and they begin to go away. Until the only ones that were left were him and her. God will bring you to a place and be thankful for it, but he will bring you to a place. That's a new normal where it's just you and him. And all of the other stuff has to walk away. It has to die, and you've got to let it. And you're just there in your, in your humility, not even wanting to lift your head. And he says, daughter. Listen. He says, daughter, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn them. Go and sin no more. Everyone in this room, come into the understanding the possibility exists, a reality exists in Jesus Christ where you can sin no more. As a former sinner, and I understand what Paul said, I was really good at it. And I can make you believe that it never happened. 
there is a reality that exists that when Jesus began to change me and in his patience over and over, leave that old man. Don't pick him back up. Leave that old man. Put on the new man. Put on the new man. This is the life that I have for you. It truly is life and peace. Do you understand that there is a possibility, there is a reality that exists that you can lay your head down at night and not feel the guilt and condemnation? Of what happened today, yesterday, a week ago, two weeks ago. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? This is a possibility. This is a reality that he's made available to us. And so often we're afraid to preach it. We're afraid to believe it. We're afraid. We be- That's just fantasy nowadays. That's just fantasy. In this culture, it's impossible. It's baloney. Baloney. I said it, baloney. It's baloney. It's hogwash. It's false. It's a lie. It's deceit. Why would he tell that woman go and sin no more if Jesus didn't think she could do it? Why waste the word? I like the way Damon Thompson says it. He says it this way, proximity fixes everything. Proximity fixes everything. Closeness. The closeness. The closeness fixes everything. Because the closer that you are to Jesus, we understand there are things that are not acceptable when you know about Jesus, but when you become, when you start to know him and not just know about him, and it moves past knowing about him, which is religion, and it moves into knowing him, then you realize that those things no longer are acceptable and no longer do they bring the appetite. Why? Because my closeness with him begins to fix that. What is my confidence that that woman, how many of y'all believe that that woman went away and never was caught in that sin again and never did that sin again? How many of you believe that? I don't need to know the rest of the story. I believe it with all of my heart. Why? Not because he said, be holy for I am holy. She was so, cl- so close to him she could touch him. And the only one who was truly right to be able to throw a stone refused condemnation. Absolutely refused. Neither do I condemn you. I'm not here to condemn you. I've come here that through me you might be saved. And you might know what life is. You might know what life is. What a life of freedom is. I've come that you might have liberty. I've come that you might experience the fullness of life. My God. Why allow yourself into the slaves of ch- in the chains of slavery again? Why be yoked to the bondage of slavery again? Put on the new man. Put on the new man. Put him on. <sighs> Glory to God, man! I just, do you feel the, do you feel the freedom in the room? Do you feel all, all of a sudden we start talking about these things? Wait, wait, wait a second. You know what that does? You know what that brings? It brings hope. You know what Jesus does? He brings hope. You know what the, the, underlying, the underlying thing right here is happening in this room this morning? It's hope. It's hope that I can be better, that this life can be better, that God is better than what I have previously saw him as, that his word is true. There is hope. There is hope that I can walk this thing out. I can walk it. I can walk this thing out. Yes, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of a sudden, 
these verses start taking on a different shape. They be, you begin to see them. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. And I will tell you what, you can resist anything for a moment. For a moment. Win the moment. Win the moment. Win the moment. Win the moment. Lord, I trust you in this moment. There's no temptation that has been given to man that cannot be overcome. I have provided a way of escape. Win the moment. My pastor taught me this. He said, sometimes I've got to win that moment by moment. Sometimes I've got to win it minute by minute. I have to say, God, I've got to win this minute right here. I've got to win this minute, this minute right here. And then it's there again that next minute. I've got to win this minute. But I'm telling you, every single one of us, every single one of us, and the thing is, is that this is where it will move from. It will move from being something that we do because it's something religious and something right. It will be because of the closeness of relationship that we come into with the Father. That's what God's doing here this morning. He's drawing you close. He's drawing you close. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.